Thanks for joining us today. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in equipping you to connect, grow, serve, and go in the fullness of Christ. Please take a minute and email us your story at info at To learn more about this message and others, visit our website at sykestonfirst.org. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. We're in this Easter season, this Passion season, and when you read in Scripture, and I know that this is the time um, in my year that I really pour into that part of the Bible and part of Scripture about um, the passion of the Christ and, and who He is and, and, and what, he, what He means to me. I'm a firm believer in, in the power of prayer, that, that prayer changes things, that, that prayer is that vehicle to, to really be able to touch the heart of the Father. And prayer is something that is so important. And when I look at the Passion Week, I see the prayers of Jesus, the pain of Jesus, and, and, and it's humbling. It's truly humbling to me. And, and so tonight, I'm going to be all over the place. How's that? But we're going to focus on the cross. I want to take us back into Isaiah, and we got a, quite a lengthy passage here. Um, Isaiah 52, 13 is where we're going to start. We're going to read through Isaiah 53, 12. I'm going to let the Scripture preach itself tonight. And when we read this, it's just, it's just amazing to me. It blows me away that this book that we, we have, this Bible that we carry around, there's 1,189 chapters in it. It was written over a 1,500-year period, over 40 authors. And everything matches up. Everything lines up. It is a perfect masterpiece. It is, it is the Word of God. And, and when I read Scripture, and, and I even go, as we go back to the Old Testament, it blows my mind of the, the way things were written. So if you're there, Isaiah 52, I believe Derek pulled him. He, he was able to get all of these on the screen tonight. So if you need that, you have it. So the title of this particular passage in your scripture probably says, The Suffering and the Glory of the Servant. And uh, in verse 13, um, starts with, in 52 there, it says, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Now, remember, we're thinking of Jesus here, okay? Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and in his form marred beyond any human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings and will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. On chapter 53, verse 1. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a shoot out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our sufferings, yet 
We considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each have turned to their own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin... He will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. And he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death. And was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Is that powerful? I know you've probably read that and you know this, but isn't that a great reminder? Isn't that powerful when the word of the Lord comes to life? You know, it doesn't matter how young or how old you are and how long you've been living this faith. You can have been in this faith for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. You can open this book and God will illuminate something brand new to you. So let me tell you tonight. Allow me to tell you this tonight. Don't worry about the familiar passages and think you can just pass over them because you already know them. Read them again. Read them again and again and again and say, God, show me something new. Show me something fresh. I read this and, and, and it was just, just blew my way, just a picture of Jesus on the cross, knowing it was in the book of Isaiah where it was being written. It was brand new. And then let's go over and look at some words from David in Psalm 31. I told you it would be all over the place. So back up to Psalm 31. And um, because of time tonight, I'm not going to read the entire passage. We're going to read just select passages out of Psalm 31. I'm going to give them to you. Up front, and then I'll read them. I'm going to give you 2, 6, 12, and 13, 15 through 17, and verse 24 of Psalm 31. But I would challenge you to go read this on your own. Your own time, meditate on this. In, verses, uh, in verse 2, it says, Turn your ear to me, come quickly to my rescue, be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. David is writing a messianic psalm here. Verse 6 says, I hate those who cling to worthless idols. For me, I trust in the Lord, my soul, my body, with grief. 12 and 13 says, I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like a broken pottery. For I hear many whisper and terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. 
Verses 15 through 17, my times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me from your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I have cried out to you, but let the wicked be put to shame and silent the realm of the dead. Be strong and take heart. Verse 24, all who have their hope in the Lord. I want to jump over to Hebrews chapter 4, and then we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 5 as well. Just a couple of verses in each. And then I want to tell you some thoughts tonight I have concerning these verses. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Um, incredible passage of Scripture taking us into this passion season. And Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 said, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Are you guys with me tonight? Are you with me tonight? Let's look at Hebrews 5. And, and I, I want I to set, set the table here um, before we eat. Um, these are great verses. Hebrews 5, 7 through 9. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his, serv- his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. There's one more passage I want you to turn to, and it's John chapter 18. And it's John chapter 18, verse 1 through 1942. We're not going to read except three words of all of this. It sums it up. This is some of the most humbling passages in the, in the book of John, John 18, 1 through 19, 42. But in John 19, 18, it sums it up. They crucified him. This is the story of the crucifixion of Jesus. This is the story that tells of the pain and the agony and, and, the, and the goings-on that went behind the scenes and that was happening as, 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 this, as this vastly approached his death. We have the story of the crucified Christ. And yet, so many believers today like to water down the gospel. So many believers today like to fight over their preferences or, or what they like. But we, we, we read in Scripture that Jesus did all of this completely out of love for mankind. And tonight, that's the message. He loves us. There's probably some people in this room. If you're here, I want you just to show your hand if this, if you can, uh, if this is something that you, you remember. Remember where you were when you heard the, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Anybody? Besides Brenda and Whitney. Anybody? You remember? 
Anybody else? What about this? You've got to be born probably before the late 50s to remember precisely where you were when the news of John F. Kennedy's assassination happened. Anybody? Okay. Now then, uh, here's, here's one. Um, where you were when you heard um, the news of John Lennon's death. Anybody? Just pulling some news facts. What about Elvis? You remember Elvis, what you're doing? Yeah. Now this might catch everybody here. Um, what's really funny is um, today is Emily's birthday, and, uh, and she's 15, and she wasn't alive when the planes went into the towers. At, isn't that crazy to think? But how many of you remember what you were doing that day on 9-11-2001, what was going on in your life? Whatever your age is tonight, I want us to focus on the anniversary of the cross of Christ. The anniversary of the cross of Christ is, is coming up. It's known as Good Friday, and, and God became one of us. And on that first Good Friday, he suffered and died for us so that we might believe in his infinite love for us. In most Christian traditions, we, I'm going to get to be an art guy tonight, and I am not an art guy. So I think I can handle a cross, though. It's, if I, and, uh, and this symbol right here is one that we all recognize, correct? It's a symbol that, that means something to the Christian faith, and and I was looking into some different crosses, and because and, not all crosses are, are not all of our um, denominations or groups, um, Protestant groups or Catholic groups, all have the same cross. They have different looking crosses. Um, and I think it's okay because, um, but I was looking at the Russian cross. The Russian cross looks like this has that, and then has an angle down there. And I was just looking at different types of crosses and the way people believe, and, and we believe that the cross is important. But the Russian cross, they add this little line here that indicate the, the three languages of the sign that was put on his, you know. Here he is, the king of the Jews. They put it in three different languages so everybody could see, and it was really done to mock him and make fun of him. And, but the Russian cross adds that line. And then they add this little diagonal line at the bottom because it indicates a place of pain that they wanted Jesus to stay alive a little longer just to make him suffer longer. And it indicates him, it's just that lifting up, just lifting up to catch, to catch his breath. And, and I find it interesting on, on these different cross pieces, no matter what, cross you use it you know I've seen the cross that looks kind of like a plus sign the cross to me is a symbol of Jesus victory so if a Russian believer has a cross that looks like this 
And that is the, that, that, that's the symbol of victory. I'm with him. I, I, love, I like the look of this because I like what goes behind it. The traditional cross that we have, just the two, up, the two pieces together, the vertical and the horizontal, I think they tell a great story of a, of a vertical love from God to man and a horizontal love that we should have unified that we should be unity one with another and love one another. And the cross is a symbol of, of the victory where God came and beca- he became man. And he made his dwelling among us. There's a story told of a famous opera singer who during a season of severe sorrow, she, she went away to India to search for some inner peace. She was so hurt and devastated by the recent events in her life. And there she visited a famous Indian poet, one of her favorite poets, and I'm probably going to butcher the name, but it was uh, Rabin Dranath Tagore, whose works had been incredibly inspiring to her and had helped her along in her journey. When it came time to leave, she asked Tagore if, if, if he would like for her to sing. Would you, she said, sir, I would love to sing a song. It's what I do. I'd love to sing. Would you, love to, would you like for me to sing? And the poet, of course, was delighted and, and wanted to hear what the opera arrangement she had chosen for such the occasion would be. And, and he anticipated this and was excited. As the song began, Tagore and the second guess we're startled to hear the words of an old spiritual fill the air. It wasn't an opera song at all. It was the old song, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? Were You There? Oh, sometimes my heart begins to tremble. Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? The second guest that was present with Tagore there was so touched by the experience that when he went to bed, he lay awake long past midnight, looking out at the stars, thinking of that song and the scene that it referred to. He was looking at the scene of Calvary that had taken place under the same stars, and he wondered if he would have had the courage to stand by his master's side, if he would have been that dedicated and that devoted Not when the crowd shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. But he wanted to know, would he have the same strength to stand when they yelled, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And when he pictured the Lord's pierced hands and feet dripping like crimson blood, these words haunted him for days. They haunted him. Were you there when they crucified my Lord. This same question comes to haunt our souls during Passion Season. Not so much were we there, we know we weren't, but right now I'd like to really change it. Are we there now? Are we where we need to be now? I want us to focus on the cross of Christ and see it as a sign of victory over, over evil and over death. The Apostle John, he writes in his account of the Last Supper, Jesus attempts to wash the Apostle Peter's feet. I'd love to see this. The Apostle Peter is is one of those 
rambunctious. He's one of those impetuous. I don't think Peter thought too much before he spoke. I don't think Peter thought too much before he did anything. He just lived life. I think when Peter was in the garden with Jesus and he picked up that sword and he cut off the ear of Malchus, I I don't think he was aiming for his ear. I think he was just a bad shot. I think he was aiming for the split, split down the, right down the middle of his head. But Peter was that kind of a guy. Peter was the guy that got to be with Jesus at the Mount Transfiguration. He was, he was the guy. He was, he was Jesus' right-hand guy. He was, he was always there. Sometimes it seemed like he was in trouble a lot more than he, you know, back in those days. Peter was the first one after the upper room that preached one of the most powerful sermons in history, second to none to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. But he preached a message where thousands got saved. But in John's account of the Last Supper, Peter walks in the room and Jesus is knelt down next to a a little water basin. And he was washing the apostles' feet. Just about imagine Jesus down there saying, well, have a seat, Peter. And Peter's like, no. No. Peter calls into question the Lord to his Lord at that moment, his master, his teacher. And this is not the way we do things. Our tradition says we don't do things this way. This is the only, the only people that wash my feet or anybody's feet are slaves. Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. It's too humiliate, humiliating. So Peter says to Jesus, never, never. You shall never wash my feet. Then Jesus reminds Peter that salvation depends upon trust in the Lord. And in John 13, 7, you can turn there if you want, and we're, we're about to close this up. John 13, 7 says this, At the moment, at this moment, you do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. I think it's no doubt being able to call Jesus Master Lord, it was part of Peter's security. Peter was not afraid when he was around Jesus. He he knew what Jesus' power could be. But I think Peter understood that something was about to change. And I think it was comforting to Peter to know that there was someone there that he could depend on. And this person saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to... And he's telling him this crazy stuff about how he's going to come back to life. And we see the doubt. We see the humanity. Same stuff that we deal with today. I'm pretty sure that tonight that I can, I can pretty much rest assured tonight that in this room there's no one in here that's going to say, They doubt Jesus' existence. But in this room, do we doubt his power? The power of the cross. Do we doubt his his ability to call us and use us? 
Do we doubt the fact that God has you where you are for a divine purpose? Your job? Your neighborhood? Your friends? Do you, do you understand this power of the cross? Do you spend time daily in the word of God and in prayer? We say we know Jesus, we love Jesus, but if he was to come today and sit down and wash your feet, would you tell him, no, 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 no. What if he said, I'm getting ready to do something that you don't understand today, but you will tomorrow. You're going to understand what I'm doing. The power of the cross. The power of the cross. Tonight, I'm going to have just a, I just want to have a season of prayer. We are always in a hurry, and it's 649 for those of you that are wanting to know right at this moment. We're going to have a season of prayer. It's not that late. I've got one Sharpie. And what I want you to do is on this piece of paper, I want you, I've got two songs I'm going to play. They're going to be video, lyric videos. One of them was played this morning called "He is uh, God has Exalted Him, the, uh, His Name Above All Names. The name of the song is Highly Exalted and another one, Be Unto Your Name. And I want to play those songs and let's don't get in a rush and I'd like for you to come, and because we have to share the pen, and I did that on purpose, for us to take our time and be thinking it. So you might say, I don't know what to write. So here's what I'm going to give you instructions on. You may have a favorite Bible verse that pertains to the cross. Just write the reference up here, John 3.16. Maybe you have a favorite hymn. Maybe you love the song, Oh, the Blood of Jesus. Just come up and write, Oh, the Blood of Jesus. But let's fill this paper tonight with declaring the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of who he is, recommitting our lives to understand the power of the cross, making a commitment that I will, I will understand the power of the cross. No matter if it is a Russian cross or an Anglican cross or the traditional cross that we have, no matter, I'm, I'm going to pray that God would Give me the power of the cross that I will understand, that of understanding. So tonight, I want you to just simply write something that pertains to the cross. I will glory in the power of the cross, right? Would you stand with me? And Derek, you can start highly exalted. I want to pray with you. Father, we come into this place tonight as this moment where we've looked at your word, we've read Old Testament, New Testament, scriptures pertaining to your cross. And tonight, Lord, we simply want to come into your presence with an understanding of that we love you and we're committed to serving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In the name of Jesus, please find a place to pray somewhere in this room, and let's just worship him for a few moments.